customer experience is your brand. All about the interaction that a customers customer are not just customers that can the be kind of experience you give to people. Customers. That's what they're going. Amazon through. wants you to buy something. A warranty company wants their contractors. Customer to experience, you know, it really is how your brand gets projected out in, into the world. Business is not just business; it's very human. Hello there, ladies and gents. This is your host, Todd Stewart, and welcome back to another episode of In The Know, a dispatch-powered podcast dedicated to highlighting the individuals and companies who know how to create memorable, long-lasting customer experiences. It's my job today to dissect and understand how Courtney Ostermiel, the Vice President of Industry Marketing at Moto Labs, is able to consistently wow her customers. In today's episode, we discuss the future of mobile and where it's going, why customers want to self-serve themselves, how companies can nurture their customers in a way that can make you feel confident to hand over your product or service, and we talk about how Moto Labs is working with GE and how customer experience helped make that deal go through. So as always, grab a pen, grab some paper, and please enjoy this great customer-focused conversation with the VP of Industry Marketing, Courtney Ostermiel. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of In The Know. This is your host, Todd Stewart. I'm super excited for the show we have ahead of us today. Uh, I'm on-site at Moto Labs. I'm here with Courtney Ostermiel, the VP of Marketing here at Moto Labs. Courtney, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing on this Wednesday afternoon? Doing great. Good. Doing great. So um, so, so we have a, really an awesome lineup of topics that we're going to cover today. Uh, we introduced you in the beginning of the, of the show, but I, I do want to sort of take a step back and have you explain something we don't know about you, uh, something that probably the average listener wouldn't know. Something that you wouldn't know about me. Um, so to be accepted uh, early at, into Penn State, I actually was a film major for, I had to, I had to do it for two years, unwillingly. Uh, unwillingly. Unwillingly. But it was interesting because I got to learn some things from behind the scene, but if you knew me my whole life, broadcast journalism was a passion of mine. Um, so I think it's very cool that you're doing these podcasts personally, and I'm excited to be on it. Um, but yeah, then I switched over to my actual major, and then I ended up with one in philosophy at random. So most people wouldn't know either of those things about my my background that somehow led me to be a VP of marketing. Well, actually, Mark Cuban came out with a statement that said philosophy majors, are, that's the most important <laughs> major that's going to be around. And he said, right. he said, everybody should focus on that. So, yeah. So there, so there you, go. you go. I've got and it. And we're reliving the glory days here on this podcast. Right. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. So first and foremost, what is Moto Labs? Uh, Moto Labs is a mobile app platform that helps higher ed campuses as well as corporate enterprises uh, transform either their workplace or their campus experience through mobile. Perfect. Leave it at that. And customer experience, that's why you guys are the best and we're about to dive yeah. into it. Yeah, no, customer experience is a is definitely a big part of that. And I think a big part of Moto's rapid growth over the past few years and probably why we're looking at the growth that is ahead of us over the next 12 to 18 months. What, what essentially does customer experience like mean to you and mean to the company? Sure, um, I think it means a lot of things. You know, I think it's safe to say that from a marketing perspective, sales, design, support, our go live team, um, as well as customer support. So customer support was a team that we spun out last summer um, because that experience is very important. Um, when you think about your own experience in a mobile app, I know for me that if I go into a mobile app and like the design is terrible, 
and it's clunky and I don't feel like there's a flow to it, I'll delete it. Um, and the stats out there actually are pretty interesting because most people will de- delete an app 80% of the time after one use. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about people investing in you and what that life cycle looks like when you want people to adopt that app at your company or at your institution, if that experience for them isn't strong, um, then they're going to fail. And so if we don't support our customers through design, implementation, even strategic roadmap conversations, I mean, really anything from inception of the idea through the execution of the roadmap um, and the deployment of the app and then getting it adopted, like we really need to be with our customers every step of the way so that they don't fail so at what they're trying to do. It's interesting. You're you're playing it with a product that has, and I don't, I don't really want to say it, but it has like that high fail rate because of the fact that- It can. Yeah, because yeah. if the customer experience is not- up to par or great, like you said, like people get rid of it pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, we have, uh, yeah, I mean, the, either the students or the employees just aren't engaging with it. Um, It's not getting downloaded in the first place if it's not being marketed. Like if you go, you know, to a higher ed school and you don't even know they have an app, like a perfect example is we were at our conference a couple of weeks ago, the Kurogo conference in Florida. And we had a student panel and one of them was talking about, it was a student panel um, discussing their use of mobile. And one of the students looked at a few schools in the Boston area. He was from Florida. And those people were actually there at Kurogo as well. And he was saying that he didn't know they had a mobile app, hmm. but they have like a whole visitor side, mm-hmm. right? And so if people don't know about it, we don't help you get there, then it's not going to be downloaded. And so I think it's important to always implement best practices and keep conversations going with our customer support team if you see any of those triggers. And like our tools allow you to do that. So we have an analyze tool that shows if people are going to pages, if they're opening the app, if they're downloading it, what content they're engaging with, what they're searching for within the app. And we walk through that analysis and say, here's where you can probably improve. And and that's something that you guys have, like a, a white glove type of concierge service to help people understand. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they can definitely do it on their own, right? They have full access to the communicate tool as well as Moto Analyze. Um, but for you know larger institutions, maybe with multiple people on the team or the polar opposite where you're a 5,000 student school, um, and you're a one-person shop running this app at that school, um, there can be anybody of all shapes and sizes that need customer support um, to really help them get there. And the good news is, is we've got a couple customers that really do it well um, that are always willing to be references, right? So it's not just us helping our customers. We also have sort of an internal Moto community that works with customers as well to, to help them reach their goals, which is awesome. All right, let's take about five steps back. Okay. Because I want to frame up the, the rest of our discussion. Sure. What do you do on a day-to-day basis? So you're the VP of marketing. What does your typical like two-week calendar look like? And this will give us sort of that that good roadmap to the rest of the questions that we sure. have as far as Moto Labs. Uh well, you know, it's it's definitely been an exciting. So I've been here for about four and a half months now. And it's given me the opportunity to learn uh, a little bit more about the enterprise side again, because I was in higher ed for a while. And then a couple years prior to that, I was on the enterprise side. And so it's kind of bringing together best of both worlds. 
And for our team, you know, we have the two verticals sort of separated um, for education and enterprise. And it's anything from, for me personally, sitting with product, seeing where we're going. It's sitting with customer support, having an understanding of the health of our accounts, um, where the needs are, where the challenges are, right? We keep a Google Drive that has a lot of that information. Um, for example, uh, University of Arizona will be putting a blog out this month on that. They surveyed their students. What's working in the app? What's not there? What do you need? What are you looking for? And so that important that information is obviously very important for me because it allows me to get that content out, publish that survey, obviously, with the permission of University of Arizona, but helps provide guidance for other people. Um, sitting down with design and looking at our mobile apps and saying, is this the best feel? Like when you go in, do you almost feel safe with what you're working with on the back end of the platform? Mm -hmm. um, because it's right, we're, we're a non-technical skill mobile app platform. Like you don't need to be someone that has a computer science. Like people that build these apps all the time are like social media interns, heads of communication, HR, facilities, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really a cross-functional environment here. So like for a two-week calendar, it could be meeting with a smattering of different teams and just making sure that we're all headed towards like the same path and making sure that our customers are happy and that marketing is out putting the right information at the right time for them that for things that are top of mind. Like for enterprise, for example, a digital workforce transformation is huge right now. Um, people, people don't know what it means because um, it is sort of a vague term. It's kind of like when we're going to be innovative came out a couple years ago. I mean, mm -hmm. you could be innovative anywhere. Innovation, innovation. Yeah. Like, what does that actually mean, <laughs> right? Um, and so I think that's starting to happen with digital workforce transformation because you're seeing all of these um, meetings pop up and, and, and uh, case studies and all these other resources. But what it means to you at your company can be different across the board. And so you need to be able to be creative with your team here at Modo on what that could mean and put out information on, on various parts of that. So there's so, a lot. <laughs> so, so you have a, a small plate, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a very tiny. I, I'm, little... I'm saying that with a smile on my face. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> it's like a baby dish. Yeah. <laughs> so on our pre-call, you mentioned that when Moto Labs launched, it was an open code platform. And three to four years ago, they decided to become the SaaS company, the company that yeah. you guys are today. Why? What drove that decision? Sure. Um, so I think a lot of it had to do, and this is my understanding from you know the co-founders and, and the executive team that's been here for a while, is that it had to do a lot with consumer behavior as well as um, scaling. So when something is open source or open code, and again, from what I told you already, I don't have a technical background, um, there is a great deal of maintenance and um, services that come with being a sort of open code, open source environment. And for Modo to be able to have their users scale, so like Courtney in marketing and someone in communications and someone um, in admissions, or if you're an enterprise side, HR, communications, marketing, IT, you start building collaboration with those teams because updates become easier, because you can build a mobile app without any coding. Mm -hmm. um, so it just makes the user experience far better and much more scalable. Um, we sort of wanted to make them their own heroes in each department, mm -hmm. um, but be able to come together and do that as well and make a collaborative environment. Do you know if that was information that they received from their customers or was that just something that they ascertained for themselves to say, actually, this is the direction that we should go in? 
Um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't, you know, there wasn't a ton of feedback, I think, that that drew them there. I think it was thinking, what's what's everything going to look like um, five years from now, 10 years from now? I mean, very similarly to how Moto spun out originally, um, when Andrew Yu was at MIT, our co-founder with his team, um, I think someone had said to him, like, why are you even playing in mobile? Like, that's just going to go away. Because I think he was doing, like, um, mobile optimized Great websites. advice, right? Yeah. I know. <laughs> and so when he shared a- that with us um, a couple months ago, yeah, I mean, I, I laughed. I mean, I was I was stunned by it. <laughs> but, you know, you think about all of the technology that's come and gone. You think of Internet of Things. And um, he obviously took his own advice. And here we are, which is awesome. And I think a lot of it also just had to do with thinking about what is that next step. And obviously, we've seen SaaS blow up immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he just has a really good, I think, you know, the Moto management and team in general just has a really good pulse on the market in the future, yeah. which is great. It's amazing to think that these incredible technologies like Uber, like Lyft, like OpenTable, like they, they've been around for a little while now, yeah. but but that sort of changed customers' expectations. Totally. And and that expectation has now sort of bled into the areas of life that haven't advanced yet. Yep. And so like, like you said, you walk into your office and you expect like mentally, you might not be like fully aware why you have that expectation, right. but you have the expectation too that it also right. is right in your pocket. No, and it's funny. So um, I actually hosted a webinar today um, on transforming the workplace. And that was something that I talked about, you know, and Andrew talked about too, our co-founder, is that there is a mobile expectation. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about the biggest group entering the workforce, millennials, Mm -hmm. or ones that are already in the workforce that are overcoming baby boomers, um, you know, these kids are being being born with with phones in their hands and tablets. Um, and so if you're not meeting the general life on demand, you sure better be thinking about the millennials and what that customer experience is going to be for those users too, because mm-hmm. it, it's impactful. So when you guys have an app, and you hand it off to a customer, they are fully in control, right? Yeah. All right. So for yeah. me, being an outsider, that's a little scary. Like, <laughs> like I look at that and I'm like, oh man, if I hand it off, especially in this type of situation and just let them take it, I'd be so worried that everything would crash. Yeah. And, and I think that's tough for businesses, especially when they, when they hand their product off. It's like, is the education up to par. Like, right. Does the customer know how to use it? Right. Do they knew, know why they're using it and, and what the benefits of everything is? You know, that that like I said, that's that's terrifying. Yeah. How do you standardize that experience for sure. your customers to make sure that it's like it's flawless the second you hand it off? Yeah. Um, I will say that during a sales cycle or during an engagement with a prospective client, um, we have sales engineers, we have customer success, we have customer trainers, um, we have a go live team, then we have our technical support. And I got to tell you, um, most of our feedback comes from that. It's not necessarily handholding, but it's being there in case you fall mm-hmm. during the process or post process. And as I mentioned at this conference a couple weeks ago in Florida, People were coming up to me like, where's Dan? Where's Dan Jamara? And he is part of our Go Live team. Um, but he and his team are so um, 
so important to that transition of handoff Mm -hmm. um, so that they feel comfortable and they feel ready. And if they're not and they do go and they do fall and something gets kind of messed up, that they're comfortable enough to be able to come back to us and say, hey, without having their tail in between their legs, this isn't going right. Um, So we definitely build that type of rapport with our customers prior to deployment. Um, And then we have regular, you know, checking calls. Mm -hmm. Um, We have data to see the health, right? So we have triggers that say if people aren't engaging the application, we have check-ins about design. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm sure particularly when I wasn't here, when they were moving towards this different, you know, more more SaaS, less technical back, Mm -hmm. that they were so used to being involved in that app development to not do it was probably very difficult at times. But now we can focus a lot of that time to making the user experience better and making the customer experience better and, and thinking about where our customers where we're going to need to meet those, you know, clients in the next couple years, right? It, it gives us the ability to scale and do that a little more, which I think also probably alleviates some some stressors on our side that it's not pure services. But yeah, it's it's definitely a little tricky. But we've got we've got people lined up from <laughs> the start line to the finish line, and then maybe the after finish line, beer line, and after that. So it, it, for, for everybody <laughs> home, you, you couldn't see, but Courtney just measured it out on the table. So there was the one person right at the beginning and one person right yeah. at the end. Yeah, and then your, your taco trucks and your beers for the end of the race. So um, we are definitely, we're definitely here for everybody every step of the way. It's how, really important to us. How do you guys measure it? How do you measure customer experience? I, like the more companies that I talk with, it it does seem like this nebulous type sure. of thing. And some people say, yeah, like we have customer experience. We always value the customer, but they don't, they're just collecting data to, to collect data. Yeah. Yeah. What are you guys doing on that front? Um, so we def- we do customer satisfaction surveys, right? So we're definitely checking the pulse on them a couple times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, having the, you know, bi-monthly to quarterly, depending on what their needs are, check-ins with our customer support team. Um, and we have um, a community call once a month too with the Moto community to get their feedback and their needs. And is that to everybody? Anybody can join. That's oh cool. That's it's like a, a it's a conference call that everybody, yeah. every customer can join. Yeah, and a yeah. customer runs it, and we just kind of will sit in it and we listen, and they oh, know cool. we're there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get a lot of good feedback from that, and actually some really cool ideas for the mobile app have come out of that. And I will say. Um, for, for companies that I've been at, you know, you can always say like, oh, we, you know, we really do take their feedback and do something with it. Like we actually do. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see this list grow of interesting ideas and enough people say it, then we do a survey and it can get put on the product roadmap. Um, we're very open to that and our, and our head of engineering and, um, head of product, Marshall and, and Pete are two brilliant guys. Um, who definitely know these markets very well. We're very close to the customers. And so when you've got senior management um, also being involved with these teams, you know, it really just, it does make a difference. And so we, ta- you know, obviously we keep the notes, but then there's also, you know, the analyze information that I was telling you about, like we watch that, like that will go into our other systems so that the sales reps can see the health of their customers' apps, right? Mm-hmm. And so if something triggers that, they want to make sure that their customers are having a really good experience and can be proactive versus reactive. Like, you know, if a renewal's coming up, oh, how is it going? No, yeah. you want to be able to look on that at a weekly basis. And so we do. We get a weekly report. I think it's every 
Tuesday morning or something, mm-hmm. just telling us the health of, of these applications and if people need help. How do you specifically, it sounds like you're, you're capturing a, a good amount of data. How do you sift through all of the noise to find the right signals to say, yeah, like, let me hand this over to sales or let me hand this over to somebody who's in charge of this account? Like, yeah. Um, so there are, um, I think there's like eight pieces um, that show up in one screen when you can look at a customer and it shows like page sessions. And then it'll give like a plus or minus in terms of that week from mm-hmm. week to week, right? But you can also look day to day, you can look month to month, year to year, depending on on how long you've been a client of Modos. Um, and then you see top searches, you see time spent. So if people are about like if it's a high bounce rate, we'll call it like a website, even though it's not a website. Um, so there's we looked at certain attributes of people's behavior within the app, extracted that to make a single screenshot. And then from there, depending on if it's a you know a, a challenge with the design of the application, they can't figure out how to like upload videos or like there's tickets on something specific. It could go to tech support. It could go to design. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's pure usage and adoption, it'll probably go to either customer support or the sales team, sales engineer. Who's in charge of customer experience here? Um, so <laughs> I guess everyone has a has a Everybody, piece of it. Yeah. Um, and you know, right now, um, our CEO is definitely very close to that customer experience and the customer support team specifically. Um, they worked very closely with our sales team as well as the go live team, but each of us have something in our annual needs that we need to meet, Mm -hmm. um, around customer support, success and experience. So it seems like it's like a company wide, it is company wide thing. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely in, in the DNA of all of us. And I think it gives you a, I think it gives you a good perspective about your business too, Mm -hmm. because again, like what I referred to earlier is when you have a mobile app that is very frustrating that is just an experience that you don't want your customers to have and you want them to be able to build an app in an hour, right? Yeah. So we have, we'll have an appathon this fall and we had one last fall and it- Appathon, what, appathon. What is an appathon? Yeah. <laughs> so the, the, the Moto Appathon um, is, it's like a 48 hour period where students come together of all backgrounds. So I think the people that won last year, I think one was like a bio major, one was a history major. Again, no technical skills, very cool. They get training videos on a Friday. Mm -hmm. The building of an app starts on Saturday and it ends on Sunday morning and that's it. Um, What is great, what is like incredible about this appathon from last year, is most of these apps got adopted at their campuses. Hmm. Like Florida State had, nutritional because they're the seminoles um that showed like calories in their dining menu suggested food eats like fitness information just Mm -hmm. general wellness um harvard bliss app i believe won last year forgive me if that's incorrect um going off of memory here but it was for mental health and wellness and resources that they could get on campus they designed the whole thing they put in all of the information and and they do it in less than 24 hours with zero training until maybe like 12 hours before they do it. Wow, that yeah. is awesome. 
And so this year is even more exciting because we will be partnering with AWS from Amazon um, to do it virtually as well as on site at some schools. And so we'll be releasing more information about that in in like the coming five business days, probably. Very cool. Yeah. Right. What, wait, so so for your customers or anybody who's interested in, yeah. in this, yeah. what's like the, the, de- the details to join, the details to get sure. on? Sure. Um, so we will definitely be promoting this on our website. We'll probably put some you know PR about it to make sure that we get the word out. Um, if, a, if a school wants to be a physical flagship school or if they want to join virtually, um, or if any student at any university or college wants to join online, they can. Um, we're going to have videos posted, and then we'll say go time, and then we'll shut down the sandboxes on that Sunday this fall, and we'll go from there. But yeah, if you go to the Moto website um, or our Appathon website, which you can also find on the Moto website, it will definitely be there in terms of being able to sign up. So the amazing part of this is that not only are you – yeah, you're like engaging the customer. You're you're having them engage with your app, but you're also like empowering them to some level. Yeah, like I I think that that's that goes a long way for creating that memorable experience. It's like give give your customer the the power that they can succeed in in what it is. And like yeah. is is that are are there any type of outcomes that you really try to push out of this event? Yeah, and I think it is just I think it is just that. Um I think for a long time, you know, IT typically handles all this. And I got to tell you, IT has more on their plate than I ever knew. Um for a campus of 20,000 students, IT probably has 52 systems or more. Mm-hmm. And so the last thing they want to be dealing with is developing probably a native mobile app. And so you're actually empowering them by helping take some some weight off their shoulders. And then you're empowering people who have always wanted to have a piece of that application, like admissions or HR um, or facilities or real estate or the person that runs dining in, you know, dining in the gym or fitness at a company and it's not being used. How cool would that be if you could actually get the word out about the cool things that's happening in your cafeteria or it's happening at the gym? or whatever other elements you want to be able to use it at your corporate campus, you are then empowered to be able to do that mm-hmm. without going through any, you know, there will obviously always be some type of red tape, but if you're an administrator to the application, you just own your section and you control it and now you're creating a mobile app and you have no technical skills. I mean, there's something very cool about that um, and being able to update it in real time because the way that our platform works is you don't have to go back like check in with the app store, like a Google app or Droid or whatever, iPhone, um, everything goes in real time. Mm-hmm. And you can communicate with people um, via push notifications. And so if you're trying to promote an event or a seminar or something about learning and development, you can do that. And that's very empowering for people to, you know, develop something that they probably never thought that they yeah. could. Staying on the lines of empowerment for other VPs of marketing that are listening and, and other companies, what would you say if, if they're like, a, you know, if they're a SaaS company, how could they empower their customers? What would be sort of some tips that you'd give them? I think it actually could start with the beginning of 
the dance, right? We'll call it the, the moto dance. And that is, I am sort of interested in you, but I'm not sure. Um, I need a little, learn a little more. And so a big project that we're working on right now is almost, I'll call them self-serve videos, right? So from A to Z, you could have 50 plus videos that if you're curious about anything from design to what is this to advanced, um, you know, special coding, if, if that's their thing, mm-hmm. that we have videos on that. And we have clear and concise information so that people, I mean, look at consumers. They want electronic communication. They want to be able to go to the website, understand what you do in a flash, be able to watch a video and not always interact with a human. I mean, it's sort of unfortunate, but that's, that's the way we're all going. I'm the same way. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately, like when I have to call someone from customer service, I'm like, I have to be on the phone with someone. Why can't I just text? I got to press one and now I got to press three and now I got to press four and then I just end up pressing zero, zero, zero. Me too. I do the same exact thing. And and it's, and it's daunting. Um, and so I think from a marketing standpoint, we are sort of that enabler, um, but we are also the facilitator of being able to to meet that expectation of a potential customer or a customer that's coming and working with your product team, working with your customer support team and ensuring that they've got everything that they need, mm-hmm. I think is very important, especially at a SaaS company. Because a lot of these companies, right, and and who knows, maybe you know we will be there one day. Um, is you go to the website and you look at the pricing and that's that, right? I mean, it's literally from start to finish, just like you and the computer. Yep. And so all of your questions then should be able to be answered with what is on your website. Um, and so that's a, it's a big undertaking, but we're really excited about it because it just shows the transformation of our company and where we're looking at ourselves over the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. You know, you're, you're creating this self-serve application. And I think a lot of companies are moving towards that and they realize that, yeah, like people want to take care of themselves right. or take care of things themselves. Right. Where does personalization fall within that? Like I, I can see on the self-serve side, you kind of just throw this big net out there right. and say, whoever you know, fills it out, fills it out, but it's not right. personal information. Right. It's not tailored. How does that play a role and how can companies do that? That's a great question. Um, so I think at a, at a high level, you know, as a marketer, if you're not segmenting and tailoring your content to the people, the specific people that you're reaching out to with their titles, you should probably be doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, ABM, right? ABM marketing. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Um, but I will say there was a, an interesting video, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with Full, full Circle Insight, um, but they're a company that works with Salesforce, um, and and uh, we partner with them here at Modo. But one of the cool things was about this video of, of what they do is you go in and you check what's important to you. So not important, somewhat important, very important to actually personalize your demo. Awesome. And it automatically does it. Um, and I did it, and I scanned through the video. Admittedly, I haven't fully watched it yet, but it was totally tailored around what I actually clicked and what I didn't click. Really? Um, another part of this project that we're doing, and I think we're probably looking at, um, DemoChimp. I don't know if you're familiar with DemoChimp, but what happens is the email campaign begins, let's call it like a mini nurture campaign. Sorry for you non-marketers listening to me right now. We'll we'll put all of this in the show notes (laughs) so everybody will stay up to date. Okay, good. Um, it, you basically go in, you get the video and you do the same thing. You click what's important to you, what's not. So basically it'll give you an intro to Modo gives you five topics. So it could be analyze, communicate, um, special events, facility usage, whatever that is. 
And then you do the very important, somewhat important, not important. And then what happens is two days later, the email that the next email that you get is a video on what you chose. Mm -hmm. And so that's how it works. And all of that's going to go on the Moto website. So that when people are going through and they're like, I'm sort of interested in communicate, it'll take them to a minute and a half video. If they're super interested in communicate, it might take them to a three to four minute video that's a little more in depth. And they can do that. Um, That's probably very common that people do that, or at least, uh, you know, maybe it's not, um, but that's where we're going to start for personalization. Thinking back, you said something on our pre-call and I loved it. And actually I wrote it down and I wanted to highlight it. You said people want to do what they want to do and we have to do everything we can to empower them. I I think that's great. Everybody go check out Moto Labs. You're going to feel empowered. (laughs) (laughs) Go check them out. Um, but but I do want to talk real quickly. This this is the last topic, but but the GE case study. So GE wanted to transform their workplace and they wanted to make it green and digital. Uh, what did this project look like? And then what was the underlying tone of customer experience that you guys hit upon? Sure. Um, so for those that you know are, are listening, the case study that um, Todd is referencing is also on our website. It dives into it a little deeper. Um, but GE, you know, so we met them, I believe, at a, at a Cornet conference. And what they were looking for, one, they were moving headquarters, as we all know, in the Boston area. Um, but two, they want to be innovators. Um, I think most of, you know, GE sold off, I think, what their appliances group maybe a year ago, or maybe it was less than a year ago. Sorry, GE. Um, but they wanted to move more into this innovative space. And that means sustainability. And that means digital. And that means meeting their employees at their expectations. But not just at the headquarters in Boston. I mean, they have massive plans, right? Schenectady, New York. I'm upstate New York. They have a ton of field workers. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think people that are part-time or people that are field workers don't um, don't get thought about as much as the people that are at a headquarters physically. Most of the time, they won't even have an email address or they won't have access to a VPN to get a lot of that information. And because that's such a big group of GE, they thought, how do we engage with everyone? How do we transform our world to make sure everyone is feeling more engaged? Mm -hmm. Um, Because of a company that size, the average engagement rate is 29% of employees. Wow. Terrifying. Wow. Um, Especially when 51% of the job market in the United States right now are browsing jobs. Like uh, those are, those are scary numbers. So they're disconnected. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent disconnected. And then you throw the millennials in there, <laughs> uh, who like blink and they're at a different job because we all have attention spans as, as flies apparently. So, um, and I get it. And so for GE, there was a multitude of things that they needed to do that was incorporated in this workplace transformation. And it started in a lot of areas, right? So they wanted people to know, um, how to get to GE regardless of location. So they've got different locations set up in the app. And actually the app is public for a visitor. So you could download it from the app store and, and check it out and what they do. They wanted to let them know when dining was. If they went to a room, and so we've got a thermostat in this room, but if they didn't, they can do like a quick fix it and say the HVAC is not good in, I don't know, the Harvard room. That's where we're at right now. Um, or if they're, if the water, right? So having triggers on water, if something is dripping, um, because if they want to be more green and more sustainable, they want to make sure that 
the lights are going off when they should be. Mm-hmm. Water isn't leaking, right? There's all of these little elements. Sort of hit this like homeostasis. Right. You know? exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, but it's also things that people aren't thinking about from like a workplace transformation that all of that can go into. So you can help your bottom line by one, fixing the facilities, but two, is engaging your employees and stopping that turnover. Um, so now the GE employees and visitors have access on demand to a lot of information that most people want when they're working at a multi-thousand person um, headquarters, or if they're remote at a plant in upstate New York, um, they're getting personalized information versus getting the corporate headquarters information in Boston, which is literally useless to them, unless it's like some big event that they're coming up to. Um, And so GE just is, is very mindful and very forward thinking about engaging their employees in that way. And it's It's a a huge level of personalization. It's huge. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they know if you're a visitor, they know if like you're a manager and if you're an employee, they know where you are. Um, And that's, I think, a very unique aspect of the Moto platform is that you give the opportunity to do that um, so that you're getting the right content when you want it and you're not getting somebody else's. When you were talking with GE and you were going through this whole process of of implementing Moto Labs and, and getting them on board, what made the customer experience stand out that GE said, yes, let, let's do this? Yeah, um, great question. And I will say that the sales team, our CTO, Andrew, our CEO, Stuart, and I'm sure others, um, spent a lot of time. I mean, it's, it is a large undertaking um, with as many headquarters as they do have. I mean, I think they even have a, a Dubai location in their application. And so there's a lot of stakeholders and a lot of departments that wanted in on that. Mm-hmm. And for us to launch something that, that is that successful, there there's a lot of human time on the moto side that goes into it. Um, but we also knew that it was a very interesting use case to be involved in. And, and we were absolutely comfortable with that because every customer is unique in their own way on how they want to transform the environment that either their students are in or their customers are in. And from a GE standpoint, um, you know, we were just dedicated to doing that. And you learn a lot about your company, right? Mm-hmm. When you go through a process like that. And I think it's a missed opportunity to not get each department involved, including design, right? Eric Kim, one of our other co-founders, um, was involved in that too, in terms of the design of that application to make sure that there was an ease of use no matter where you were in the world using yeah. that application. Cool. Finally, I like to finish episodes with this one segment. It's called If I Only Knew. And so it's your chance to look back on your career and look at like a successful customer experience strategy or some type of moment to say, oh man, I, like, I wish I knew this earlier on. I ask everybody this, what's your own If I Only Knew moment? To keep my my ears and eyes open more when I first entered my career, um, I love working in a, in a cross-functional environment. I think that was one of the biggest things that attracted me to Modo was that I knew that product and engineering and design and go live and tech and sales and marketing um, all were very close. And I think you learn from an operational standpoint, your business much better. You learn a lot about yourself, your colleagues. Um how to grow together. And I find that um, some companies can be very siloed. 
uh, and people probably don't speak up enough about it, mm-hmm. uh, to which was was probably me at one point. And so I think that if I had more collaboration probably earlier in my career, that would have been awesome to know maybe in some college course that doesn't prepare you <laughs> for the real world. Um that that would have been really helpful. Luckily, I've been able to to do that over the past few years, but I would have preferred to to know something like that from the very beginning. Cool. cool. Probably not that interesting. No, but. no, that is excellent. Each piece we can add, I love it. Um, Courtney, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for this was a me. great, great conversation. To everyone listening, you can find out everything we talked about. It will all be in the show notes. You can find out all the links to Moto Labs. You can find all the links to get in contact with Courtney. Um, It will all be on the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. Again, Courtney, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Todd. appreciate it. If you want to learn more about customer experience, head over to the Dispatch blog. That is blog.dispatch.me. Remember to subscribe to In The Know on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. If you liked this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, thanks for joining, and we'll see you next episode.